five o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Yes, it is. Welcome in on a uh, Monday. Everyone, a little breaking news for you. we got a couple of things. Uh, we have uh, independently verified the uh, report from our friend Stephen Igo at 247 Sports Hoist the Colors uh, that uh, East Carolina has got a commitment from uh, transfer Bobby Pettiford. Bobby Pettiford is... Uh, Perhaps uh, the, uh, well, he, he was. He was a top five guard in the state out of high school. He originally committed to Louisville, and then that was the year before Chris Mack was gone. They fired a bunch of assistants. And uh, Pettiford, another kid from North Carolina, a big kid that played at Mil, uh, Millbrook, both decommitted from, uh, both decommitted at that point from uh, Louisville, Louisville. And uh, then they uh, recommitted, or, or I should say, Pettiford then committed to Kansas. Now, he's had some injuries there. He was playing a lot at the beginning of the year. But I think this is a solid, solid uh, pickup for uh, Mike Swartz and uh, his his uh, program. It's a big get. Uh, the Dontrez Styles thing, I understand. Again, uh, this is some of my reporting that uh, – there was some interest, obviously, in maybe him coming to ECU. He's friendly with Pettiford. He was here Thursday before the baseball doubleheader. They were showing him around the campus. Styles was treated well. Styles liked it here. I think Styles maybe would have gone here over NC State. But there, uh, look, we all know what's going on with NIL. And uh, there's a big deal uh, at Georgetown to kind of push an NIL deal there. And uh, I think that's what it came down to. So there's some other kids that uh, Mike Swartz is in on. Uh, big, big stuff to talk about there. One of the other notes that we'll get to, uh, Alex Makarevich, the American Athletic Conference Player of the Week. Uh, he had uh, he had some really huge numbers, 9 out of 16 over uh, the series that was played going into Easter weekend, 8 RBI, 2 doubles, a triple, 6 runs scored, and AMAC. Gets uh, the honor as uh, the player of the week for the second time in his career. Carter Spivey, the weekly honor roll. Uh, he spun a gem out there on the hill in game two of the doubleheader. We'll talk to Cliff Godwin about that, but let's uh, also now jump into some uh, football and uh, the spring scrimmage uh, going on as it was uh, the gold winning 17-9 to over the purple. Uh, Alex Flynn was uh, dynamite throwing the ball. 19 out of 22, 173 yards and a score. He also ran for a touchdown in 68 yards. Mason Garcia was 17 of 29, had a couple of picks, 152 yards passing. And uh, you combine all that together because Raheem Jeter was 0 for 4, uh, throwing the football, the Pirates, 35 out of 55, the two picks, a touchdown, 325 yards, 
rushing. Uh, the uh, Pirates rushed for 146 yards and two touchdowns, 35 uh, catches for those 325 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Barker led the way with uh, 10 tackles. Elijah Morris, Devon King both had uh, five tackles each, as did Omar Rogers. So uh, really a tough day to say. I, 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 full disclosure, because I don't lie to you all, uh, I was not there because uh, last week I was down in the back, as they say, Cookie. Cookie, I've told you this, right? I've been having back issues. Yes, you did mention that to me. How's that and going? I, I, oh, it's better now. I, oh, was okay. really down, I was really down in the back. So I basically spent all day Saturday uh, in a position where I was not moving and trying to take as much pressure. I mean, in other words, kind of in sitting up in bed, if that makes any sense. So um, that's what I kind of that, – that was it. In fact, I, I was also trying to, to sleep with uh, some of the things involved with all that, and it just became I, – I think I might have – Cookie, you, I was like you. I might have been waking up. Uh, in the late morning when the game was starting. The late morning is in 9 a.m.? No, later than that. Oh. I slept really, really late on uh, Saturday. That's I late got for up. you. I got up, and then I kind of went back and laid, if that makes any sense. So This may be the uh, first time ever that I woke up before you. It may be. But I talked to people, uh, and, and not the people you probably think, but I talked to people at the game that I trust that watch this, and they've given me their opinion, and they've walked me through their opinion. And the, the, the fact of the matter is this. Saturday was a miserable day. It was pouring rain. Uh, it was cold, and it probably was not conducive to Mason Garcia being Mason Garcia. Now, you're saying, oh, here's old positive pirate Pat. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm just telling you, again, people that I trust that watch this thing, much more critically than you as a fan did if you were there. And they said this was just a tough day for Garcia because Garcia's game is pushing the ball down the field, longer plays, fitting it in those windows downfield, and it was tough for him to do. Flynn knows the playbook backwards and forwards is what my people are telling me inside. So I think Alex Flynn is a great option to have back there if you need it. Uh, we'll hear from uh, Coach Houston right now, his opening statement following the spring game. Uh, what a perfect way to end the spring. Uh, very spirited uh, scrimmage. As you can see, you know, the kids were, uh, you know, very competitive today. Uh, you know, that's, that's the way they wanted this, the, the spring game to be, and uh, I thought it was just perfect. Couldn't, couldn't have been any better. Nobody got hurt seriously. Got a, you know, ankle, hamstring, stuff like that, but uh, nothing that would keep anybody out uh, if we had a game next week or anything like that. But uh, I think just, you know, Great spring, uh, you know. It's obviously, you know, we've all we all know that we got a lot of new faces out there, and uh, I think the kids have had you know fantastic attitudes all spring. Uh, they've worked very very hard. You know, we did not have a bad day uh, of the 15 practices. Now Thursday they were jawing back and forth, and you know a little bit too much of that, but uh, but they had worked and earned the right to have a day like that. Um, but, uh, you know, I think you saw a lot of uh, positives today. Uh, fans got to see a little bit of what we've seen. Um, I hate that the weather conditions weren't, uh, you know, weren't where we had a, a bigger crowd there. But uh, I think that the guys that uh, the people that were here were able to see uh, a very spirited uh, scrimmage. So, Coach Houston on Alex Flynn's performance. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, but that's he's had that kind of spring. Uh, you know, I think that uh, we feel very comfortable with uh, both quarterbacks going into the summer. Uh, but, you know, he's a kid that's this is his fourth year in the program. Uh, he has complete command of the offense. And I thought, uh, you know, the thing that's most impressive to me is, you know, he, he sees what's coming defensively and was able to consistently get us in the right protections, consistently get us in the right play. Uh, coach, on Mason Garcia's performance. Well, I think that uh, he's got a lot of positives he took from today. He's got some things that he needs to function and operate better. Um, I think that what we've seen from him all spring is when we have our personnel out there with him, he functions very well. So, uh, again, I think it's you have some growing pieces uh, you know, for a lot of guys, him in particular, uh, but you have a lot to go off of from the whole spring that you're excited about. Coach, on where the team needs to improve. Well, I think that uh, we know exactly what we have. I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, you know, we know where we are very strong, and we know where we've got to improve between now and August. Uh, you know, our kids, uh, you know, they, they have enjoyed the program getting it to where it is, and uh, I can promise you they're determined for us not to go backwards. Uh, so they have very high expectations for us going into the season. Uh, this is Coach complimenting on how aggressive the players were in the game. I've been a part of a lot of yeah. them. You know, number one thing for me is nobody gets hurt, so I'm happy with that. But just the competitive, you know, edge on the field. They were going at each other. You had some big hits. You had some big plays. You know, you saw Josiah Hatfield do Josiah Hatfield things. Uh, you saw Javius Bond, and why we're so excited about him. Uh, you saw so many defensive guys uh, make plays that we have been seeing all spring that maybe everybody else hadn't seen. So uh, I think it was a great spring game. All right, and uh, last thing we'll get to as far as football today, uh, Coach talks about what he wants to evaluate as far as the film. I want to take a look at the film and see how they performed. And, and the big thing is, you know, who makes contested catches, and then what do they do after the catch? I think it's a big thing that you got to evaluate because, uh, you know, so much of what the, the production was last year was who could do something with the ball after the catch and who could make those contested catches against tight coverage. And so that's really what you want to evaluate them on. All right, so that is the uh, rundown there as far as uh, Pirate uh, football goes. We're going to talk uh, later on in the uh, month, it looks like, with Coach Houston. Uh, we're going to talk with Donnie Kirkpatrick. We're going to talk with Blake Harrell. we got some others we're going to talk to and kind of get their spin on everything uh, that is going on with the program out of the spring and uh, beyond. So we've done that every year. Uh, we'll continue to do that uh, right here. Right now, a break. When we come back, uh, we will go inside the ECU clubhouse with Pirate Coach Cliff Godwin as we wrap up our Pirate Report here on this Monday after Easter edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of Pirate Football, 94.3 The Game. Pirate Baseball coming off a sweep that occurred before the weekend. We'll get into that and uh, get an update on many things surrounding the team with uh, ECU head coach Cliff Godwin, who joins us uh, here on the program. Coach, uh, Congratulations on the weekend sweep. Hope it was a great Easter for you, a little bit away from baseball. It's always a good thing, and uh, hope you're well. Uh, thanks, Patrick. Yep, great Easter, and, uh, you know, other than the weather, it was awesome. Yeah, 
How how important was it on uh, for for the you know just for your team's uh, you know point you are in the season and health let's just say to to maybe get a couple of days uh, where you didn't have games. It was huge. I mean, we're pretty banged up to be quite honest with you. So it was great for McChrystal, Wilcoxon, uh, Riley Johnson. Uh, JT's going to miss some time for sure. Sailor um, is playing catch, so I'm not sure if we'll have him back this weekend or not. But um, all those guys just to get off their feet and just to have a couple of days. And, and for guys that have been playing every day as well. Want to uh, just get the very latest that you could tell us on uh, Jacob Jenkins Coward. Obviously, left the game with uh, the foul ball to the growing area, and uh, what is kind of his status here for the next little bit? Would you say? Well, he actually had to have a, a minor surgery just to relieve the pressure, and I'm not a doctor, so I don't know the specifics of right, it. But right. um, you know, when a when a baseball hits you in that area. Um, it's just not good, you know, and I would say 99% of outfielders don't wear protective cups like a catcher or infielder do. So one of those three things uh, happened to one of Florida's best players who was actually on the USA team um, this past summer, Clyde Langford. I'm not sure if he had to have surgery or not, but same kind of deal, just a weird deal. Um, and, you know, he's going to miss a couple of weeks for sure. I'm not sure about the timetable, uh, but – He's going to miss some time. Yeah, uh, our best to Jacob. Jenkins Coward getting uh, getting uh, recovered from that, and uh, it, it was a, a, a tough and unfortunate uh, incident. Uh, you, you mentioned Riley Johnson, uh, and he was uh, he was out of the game for a pinch hitter late in the uh, Friday game uh, because of that, uh, and, and then uh, Will Coxon and uh, and obviously uh, McChrystal, uh, yeah. Thank you for that, uh, McChrystal. Uh, <laughs> kind of platooning there, uh, you know. With, with the, let's just start with Riley. Is he in pretty good shape? You know, he just plays so hard. Uh, he, he lays it all out there for you every time, and he's just fun to watch. Yeah, he's dealing with an ankle thing, and it's just he's got to get off his feet some. Which we've been limiting him in practice. He's been wearing a walking boot, just trying to manage it. So, um, you know, it's it's just day to day, but. The more time we can keep him off his feet, it's, you know, the better. Um, by the way, JT's fine. He's walking around. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. it's just going to take some time for that area to heal and for him to be able to go out there and run around and all that good stuff. So, And then Wilcox is dealing with the back, and then McChrystal has had the back stuff. But, you know, he just was sick as a dog on Wednesday. So mm-hmm. um, that's why he only caught part of the game on Thursday was just because, from a, a strength standpoint, hydration, all that good stuff. He just it was so hot on Thursday. Um, you know, he gave us everything he had. Well, uh, look, you, you guys, your guys are a bunch of tough guys. They really are, and uh, and I think you all have done a really uh, nice job of, you know, managing them. And you always do uh, by by not taking these guys uh, and putting them in any kind of uh, additional harm's way. And that's that be that's a hallmark of the the program is caring for them and making sure their health is of top priority. So uh wanted to, to, to mention that and get an update on, on all of those guys because, you know, uh, the interest in Pirate Baseball uh, continues to grow and grow, so that's why we appreciate this time uh, in your candor and talking to you every time we do, Coach. Uh, let me 
Let me ask you a little bit about, uh, you know, obviously the weekend, it was really good to kind of be done Friday, and then you still had other teams out there that had to play a whole series uh, still. Uh, but uh, fast start in both of uh, the games on uh, Thursday, and there was the players' called meeting that the coaches were in. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, because it seemed like uh, that really maybe galvanized this team a little bit, uh, especially the first two games with the doubleheader. Well, Patrick, that's, you know, stuff we talk about behind closed doors. And, uh, you know, the players called it. It's uh, player staff, you know, meeting. So, um, no offense, that's just not for oh, no, uh, yeah. I mean, there were some, some honest conversations that went on there. And, you know, some, some guys were challenged um, for sure. And, man, the guys responded in a great way. So, um, you know, the program has been uh, ran by older guys for a long time. You know, like the guys expect the high standard. Um, when the standard's not being met, then, you know, there's time for some honest conversations. And I appreciate the guys that were on the receiving end uh, taking it to heart and not taking it personally from the standpoint of becoming defensive or anything like that. And uh, just happy the way our guys responded. Um, it came out with a ton of energy on Tuesday, ready to play NC State. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's what I was getting at is just, you know, you had made the comment about, you know, the, that shows leadership. That shows the quality of these guys. That's really what I was getting at there. I, I, you know, we wouldn't expect any of the details because, you say, that's behind closed doors. But I, I guess I could have asked that better. But that's where we're going with that is that, I mean, this I think tells you about the level of commitment but also the maturity of this group, doesn't it? It does. It does. It sure does. And, you know, it also tells you that, you know, they want to do things the right way. They want to win. They, uh, you know, want to um, nip something in the butt, so to speak, if, if something's not being met from a standard issue. And um, like I said, it's just years of older guys passing it down to younger guys and now the younger guys are older guys passing it down to younger guys. You know, that wasn't created overnight, was it, Cliff? I mean, the, 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 I mean, there's a standard with the program. There's a culture in the program. But for for that trust with you two to have with these older players, all of that has been earned over time, and, and it is part of the thread that is the culture of your program, isn't it? Yes. Um, you know, it goes back to, in my opinion, the 2017 season when we lost in that conference tournament championship game and just really diving into the culture even more than we had before and, and, uh, you know, the guys were so hungry that fall and, um, you know, really having a player-led team uh, where, you know, of course, we're there to keep them within the boundaries of what we want to do and all that good stuff. But the older guys take it amongst themselves that they have the keys to the car. Obviously, uh, AMAC, Alex uh, Makarevich with a very productive uh, weekend, the first two games of the doubleheader, then he has the hit on uh... – uh, the, the hit in the RBI uh, in the uh, third game, and uh, Amac uh, was was really white hot there for for those three games against UCF. Yeah, Amac, uh, you know, had a tough week on the professional side. I mean, uh, the week before uh, he lost somebody that was very close to him, and um, that that's one thing that's just hard to manage. And uh, a lot of conversations, you know, with me and with other guys on our staff, um, our team. Um, you know, about what this person meant to him. And um, he, he really separated it at an extremely high level, and that can be really hard to do when, at any point in time for an adult, but for definitely a guy that's, you know, 21, 26 years old. 
What I really liked about some of his uh, comments that we heard after the doubleheader, he wanted to talk about the day Lane Hoover had and that his teammates had. That just tells you everything you need to know about AMAC. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, for all of our guys, I mean, they, they understand that, uh, when everybody's pulling on the same end of the rope, we're a great team and it's more about the team than it is the individual. And, uh, AMAC's a, a selfless teammate and one of the hardest workers we've ever had in our program. Coach Cliff Godwin, uh, talking with us, uh, after the uh, weekend against, uh, Central Florida, uh, the uh, Thursday and Friday. Uh, Coach, uh, bullpen, first, uh, when we go to game two of the uh, series, Carter Spivey was awesome. Uh, he was tremendous. Yep. And uh, what, yep. just the, the whole staff that day was really, really great. Yeah, Spivey gave us a, you know, a quality start for sure, and they're, they're really offensive. I mean, you could see when you made a mistake, they hit it out of the park. So mm-hmm. he gave us a quality start, and the bullpen was, really good and uh you know it gave us you know two wins going into you know game three which anytime you can sweep a doubleheader it's it, but against a quality opponent it's it's really good uh danny beal was fantastic and uh you know so was lunsford shingman but then uh landon Ginn has really come on for the pirates here yeah he you know had to miss some time and he, he's making the most of his opportunity and um you know he had Got the first two outs, I think, against State and had a rough outing, but then bounced back, short memory. And, you know, really him and uh, – well, Groves was great, but him and Shankman, they're in really uh, not ideal conditions, rain, cold, wind, yeah. all that good stuff, yeah. uh, were the difference in the game to just be able to hold UCF down for us to be able to scratch that run in the 12th. Yeah, and I know uh, execution-wise it wasn't the prettiest thing on uh, on Friday, but, you know – UCF maybe had a little bit to do with that too, to a degree. I mean, I think they, it says a lot about their program, how they came out on Friday and took it to, to you guys. Uh, and then they're a good team. They're an offensive, uh, uh, powerful team. So, uh, I, I just, but you had to be, I, I guess, pleased with the way that your guys stuck with it and, and did what they had to do to, to win that game of the 12th. Definitely. I mean, look, at we're, you know, we're battle, you know, we're battling just, you know, got guys hurt, guys playing hurt and all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, it's a different wind. It's not an offensive day. I mean, the only way you could get a ball to land in the outfield if it had any air under it was to get it to left field, like, you know, Tate up did at the end of the game. So if you hit the ball in the air right field and Shaq hit a ball to right center, that would have been a home run on any day, but that day. So, um, we just grinded it out, and like I said, uh, the, the pitching kept us there, and it had been a very two offensive, you know, days uh, or two games, one day, mm-hmm. two offensive days, and then you've got a pitching and defense day. So, I mean, that's how baseball is. I mean, it's not going to be, you know, you're not going to score ten runs every day and, and just execute every time. So, I'm, I'm just happy the way our guys hung in there, battled, grinded, and were able to come back after a rain delay and get the job done. Uh, Josh Moylan had some really, uh, professional at bats, uh, in that third game. An engineer to walk at, at 02, got a single, uh, at 02, uh, working it back, working the counts back. And, and I think when he reached on an error, he might have started 02, 1 and 2. Uh, his, his at bats, you know, just, just really a thing of beauty, uh, Moylan for you in that, in that third game on Friday. Yeah, he's been putting together really tough at bats. I mean, guys are pitching him tough and, 
he's just hanging in there, you know, and uh, I think that's one of the biggest differences this year than last year is um, the at-bat's not over if he gets down by, by two strikes or if the umpire makes a, a call that, you know, it's a tough pitch and he, he doesn't lose the at-bat. He just hangs in there and uh, has a tough at-bat. You know, we've talked about this weekend, uh, this past weekend, or the series Thursday and Friday, and, and obviously – one of the things that we've not uh, discussed uh, was the big win over NC State. A lot of emotion in the park that night and a really good back and forth, uh, just a great college baseball game to watch. Yeah, just uh, really happy the way our guys showed up. And, uh, you know, Root gave us a good start against a very good offensive team. I mean, NC State's one of the best offensive teams in the ACC. And um, they threw a guy that was good, and we were able to, you know, Hang in there, and we, we went up one nothing. I think we got behind 2-1 to one and, you know, then got a four-run lead. And then NC State puts up five. So um, just the way our guys went back and forth, and, and it was good for our offense because, you know, we needed a game like that where the offense really had to show their fight and will and, and to score some runs. And, of course, we hit six home runs, which is always good. But I just right. saw our guys got aggressive swings off and, the crowd helped, man, and when the, the crowd's like that, I mean, if you can't get ready to play, something's wrong with you, and uh, it was electric, I mean, it's a regional-type atmosphere, so I really appreciate the fans coming out being extremely loud. I think I'd have gotten you over 6,000, but Hank Hinton took all the, the radio station comp tickets, just so you know, Coach. <laughs> just so you know. I'd, well, I'd have gotten you over 6,000 if, if we'd had them. Hey, I, I appreciate it. I'm just glad Hank's getting people in the so, you know, in the seat, in the stands. So just tell Hank to keep doing that. <laughs> oh, we we do absolutely. We will and we do. Um, hey, want to ask you uh, about uh, JJC's performance in that? I mean, the three home runs. Uh, first time that had happened uh, in many many years. Uh, boy, he really played outstanding, uh, and just came to came to play uh, at the plate against the Wolfpack. Yeah, and I think his night started off maybe struck out his first uh-huh. at bat and he got out his second at bat. I can't remember. And then to put together, you know, three at bats where you get really good swings off. And and if I'm not mistaken, I know two of them were, but maybe all three were on left handed pitching. So um, just really quality at bats. He got good swings off. Um, there were runners on um, every time except one. So um, just a great day at the plate. More with uh, Cliff Godwin. Uh, if you want to check that out, head on over to uh, our uh, website, 943thegame.com. Go to the uh, Inside the ECU uh, Clubhouse with Coach Cliff Godwin podcast. We update that for you about uh, mid to late morning every Monday uh, during the baseball season. All right. Uh, we're going to catch up with our guy, Brian Mall. He's coming back from the Masters. Pardon me, the Masters. We haven't really mentioned that yet. Uh, some other things going on in the world of sports right now. Here's an update from uh, Chris Cook in our uh, 94.3 The Game Radio Ranch World Headquarters main studio. Cookie. ECU baseball star known to Pirate Nation is A-Mac, won himself an American Athletic Conference Player of the Week after some great performances against UCF. Another ECU baseball star was given honors for last week's performance as Carter Spivey was named to the American Athletic Conference honor roll. ECU football had their spring game this past Saturday. The gold team was able to knock off the purple team, and Coach Houston talked about how aggressive the team played in the game. 
I've been a part of a lot of them. You know, number one thing for me is nobody gets hurt, so I'm happy with that. But just the competitive, you know, edge on the field. They were going at each other. You had some big hits. You had some big plays. You know, you saw Josiah Hatfield do Josiah Hatfield things. Uh, you saw Javius Bond, and why we're so excited about him. Uh, you saw so many defensive guys uh, make plays that we have been seeing all spring that maybe everybody else hasn't seen. So uh, I think it was a great spring game. A big-time transfer point guard Bobby Pettiford has officially committed to ECU. Pettiford transferred from Kansas and announced his decision to come to ECU on Monday over social media. Duke basketball guard Jeremy Roach is entering his name into the NBA draft. However, he is maintaining still his college eligibility. UNC basketball transfer Dontrez Styles has officially committed to Georgetown. Styles is a former four-star recruit. John Rahm is your 2023 Masters champion after battling a late surge with Phil Mickelson to win his first ever green jacket. In some NFL news, Odell Beckham Jr. has agreed to a one-year deal with the Baltimore Ravens after his Super Bowl win with the Rams a couple seasons ago. And finally, FAU announced a 10-year contract extension with Dusty May after he guided the Owls to the Final Four this season. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Update. This sports update is brought to you by Team Boneyard, an NIL initiative directly supporting Pirate student-athletes. For info on how to donate, please visit teamboneyard.org. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on the other side of this quick timeout, right here on 94.3 The Game. Greenville's number one sports show is back. Understand? Yeah, I understand. No, lady. Yeah, I'm ready. It's the Patrick Johnson Show on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. 94.3 The Game. Masters wrapped up yesterday, uh, and uh, hey, great job to get that in and get uh, the final round in and uh, wrap it up on a weekend by the people at Augusta National and the organi- organizers of the tournament. Uh, our friend Brian Mall, because of the wonky weather here in Greenville and the shifting of uh, the baseball schedule, we were uh, unable to uh, link up with Brian this go-around. But uh, he's with us on the phone now. He is traveling, as you will hear, uh, back from Augusta National uh, to his home in uh, the port city of NC. Uh, Brian Mall uh, with uh, Caddy Network. Uh, Brian Mall with... Uh, it was the USA Today Network this weekend, right, that you were working uh, with down there, that that group of Correct. newspapers. Yeah, yeah, the Augusta yeah. Chronicle and uh, all of those, uh, Wilmington, all that, all those that are owned by that company. And, uh, Brian, is uh, what sensational work you did. Uh, we, we, I've, I tried to retweet and post uh, your articles as I would see them. I'm sure I didn't get all of them, but uh, great stuff from you and everybody that contributes down there. It's, it's of the nth degree, so... Uh, what a week uh, in Augusta, one that was certainly memorable, I'd have to imagine. Uh, without question, Patrick, uh, you know, that we, there was a lot of anticipation for various reasons leading up to the week, and uh, I would say that in, in many ways the tournament exceeded those expectations as far as just uh, storylines and um, interesting development through, through the course of the week, things we could have really never predicted. Uh, whether it was the final leaderboard, I mean, certainly John Rahm, one of the clear favorites, entering, nobody surprised he's played as well as anybody in 2023. <clears throat> but what a spectacular round. Just can't say enough about Phil Mickelson yesterday, shooting 65, closing 
with impressive birdies on 17 and 18, which were two of the most difficult holes, not only yesterday, but all week. And just channeling some of that magic that we've seen from the three-time Masters champion and in a, you know, a, a period of where he really hasn't had any results anywhere. Uh, what a tri- triumphant return for him after missing last year's Masters and uh, really a, a cool moment for golf when, when he received the ovation there leaving the 18th green. Yeah, I'm going to get into that in a second, but uh, John Rahm, I mean, look, we've said it. He's the best player in the world, and he just proved it this past weekend. Yeah, he was phenomenal. You know, I happened, uh, I chose to follow his group on Thursday, and so I walked up to the first green as he and Patrick Cantlay and Justin Thomas were, were there, and or, or Cameron Young, excuse me, not Justin Thomas, but... Right out of the gate, mm-hmm. double bogey, and, and you're going. Well, well, here we go. You know that's not how anybody wants to start their Masters. And then he proceeds to rip off seven birdies and an eagle in the in the next 17 holes, and really did not miss a golf shot. It was it was clinical. The greens were soft. There was very little wind, and and I just you know that, that proved to me right there that he was going to be a factor to the end. And then he just bided his time and the, yesterday. Certainly playing 30 holes with Kepka. Uh, the eighth hole in the, in the final round was a big momentum yeah. push for him, making birdie there after Kepka hit a poor drive and kind of seizing the lead. And, and really, other than uh, the approach shot on nine, which was a bit unlucky, spinning back down the hill, he, he just he played like we've expected, you know, like like a Tiger Woods, like Scotty Shuffler played last year with the lead. Like Jack Nicholas played all those times, whatever he got the lead, he just did not make any mistakes, and he did not crack the door one bit um, after he withstood those early charges from, from some of the guys that were too far back. So classy winner, I thought, just uh, one of the better uh, one of the better speeches there uh, at the official awards presentation on the just right at the 18th green with the members and everyone gathered around and just, you know, obviously on the anniversary of Seve's first yeah. Masters victory and yeah. his birthday, just becoming the fourth Spaniard. I mean, here's a country that, uh, you know, nobody really <laughs> does not have a big golf population. And to have produced four Masters champions is, you know, for a total of six green jackets is, is, is really unbelievable. Brian Mull, uh, covering the Masters all week. We're getting a little uh, post-mortem from here as he makes his way back uh, into North Carolina here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, with Kepka for me, Brian, it was like, uh, you know, I, I thought off the tee failed him a little bit, but his putting wasn't great either. Yeah, I think, you know, he played in the best of the conditions the first two days. Mm-hmm. And that was certainly an advantage. It was about a shot and a half difference for the field over the golfers who were in the worst of the weather. But I think that maybe hurt him a bit because the conditions had changed so drastically from from his last round on Friday by the time he returned to the course. And, um, you know, it was much colder. The wind was was, was harsh. It was raining. The school, it, was, it was not anywhere close to the same golf course. It was probably playing four or 500 yards longer. And I think that, that had a big part of it. I also think, you know, Brooks, because of his injury, hasn't really been a factor for the last year or so. It's been a couple of years. And 
Um, he just hasn't been in that situation. I think that showed a little bit. Whereas Rom has, you know, he, he outgunned Mac Toma in L.A. He had to hold off a very uh, valiant effort from Davis Thompson uh, at the, the tournament in Palm Springs. Certainly big comeback to beat Warren Callis. I mean, he had proven through this year that um, he, can, he can match anyone. And I think his confidence... When he saw that Brooks didn't have his best yesterday, I think Rom's confidence soared. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the reception that Mickelson got. It looked like the reception for Kepka was very positive yesterday. I guess they even cheered Patrick Reed. But uh, how, how did you find the PGA uh, live dynamic? I think most of it was overblown in the media. That's shocking. Um, in the in the weeks and months leading up to it, uh, I found it interesting that the two of the most vocal anti-live folks, uh, Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas, both missed the cut. Yes, that was not lost um, on me either. That irony was not. I, I thought that uh, it was it was neat to see Rory and Brooks play a practice round together, and certainly there was some other intermingling. And uh, I saw there was a scene on Monday or Tuesday where. Where Cam Smith and Max Toma, who I would not consider uh, necessarily close friends, but certainly uh, former PGA Tour competitors, were, were kind of yucking it up on the uh, on the practice team. And I thought, uh, you know, these are two guys that are genuinely just happy to see one another. And it's been a while. And I think there was a lot of that. And look, at the end of the day, these guys are competitors. When the, when the gun goes off, you know, is you know, when they, when they say now driving on the first tee, it's all about uh, competing against yourself and the golf course and then to a degree the field. But, uh, you know, I think the live guys had a great showing. I, mean, I think the, the, the guys who played well, John Liv, are guys who have played that well, that golf course well historically. Yeah. Uh, you know, Nicholson with three green jackets, Patrick Reed with a green jacket. And Kepka has been close a number of times and has been one of the better competitors in major championships for the last five or six years. So I don't, uh, I don't put a whole lot into it. Uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, once the, once the tournament started, it really was an afterthought, to be honest. Yeah. Was, right. The, right. Play, the players, for the most, didn't really want to have anything to do with it when they were engaged in the various interviews. Uh, and, in the, you know, it's a golf tournament, 72 holes. The respect that everyone has for that place in that tournament supersedes any yeah. other outlying noise that's going on. Harold Varner uh, finished uh, one over, good round yesterday of two under, tied for 29th. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look like Harold will be back uh, anytime soon because of uh, some of the other things we've discussed with uh, the LIV tour and uh, – and the world golf rankings, and uh, we'll see if that eventually gets hammered out or worked out. Uh, nonetheless, I think you have to be impressed uh, with Harold's play, but I think you also have to be impressed with the candor that Harold uh, had placed out there. What's that, Cookie? Yeah, that's, uh, if folks haven't read the, the piece in the Washington Post that, that dropped last week, I would highly recommend everyone to search that out and find it. Uh, the journalist spent days with Harold uh, in and around his home there in Charlotte and Gastonia area and uh, spoke with members of the family and just really told 
the story from Harold's point of view. It was terrific reporting and writing. And, um, you know, if you, if you can't understand why Harold made that decision and what he's trying to do in the big picture after reading that, then, then you're kind of missing the boat. So uh, he, he played well. Uh, I think uh, he, his game's in a pretty good spot. And if he can stay healthy, I would uh, expect him to have continued success. You know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what the what the governing bodies do as far as uh, world ranking points for live. Um, that's something that can be addressed in the future because, uh, as Harold said, it's not as if those guys lost their talent when they when they signed to go play somewhere else. I uh, want to ask you a little bit about uh, Tiger. Uh, obviously, uh, Tiger Woods was, uh, you know, one of these stories, as he always is, uh, withdrawing yesterday. Was this his last go-around, you think, at uh, Augusta National? He has had, since he's come back from the car crash, he has had the worst luck with weather yeah. in these major championships. It, 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 we laughed the other night that of the four that he's played since the accident, the Open Championship at St. Andrews, he was by far the best weather. But the three domestic events have all had at least one nasty day, and I think that just puts him in a situation. I mean, that golf course is difficult to walk when it's sunny and dry, and with a rebuilt leg and cold and rain and slippery, uh, I can't imagine how miserable that was for him. Uh, he said the, the, the plantar fasciitis kind of cranked back up, which is extremely painful. The boot on top of that, so I hope it's not, um, but it very well could be. There's no doubt that he can hit the shots. Um, if he can take a cart, he can probably contend. Is gone. I watched him a little bit in the practice rounds, tried couples, and he absolutely is, can still hit it uh, as well as he ever did. Chipping and the putting is fine, but uh, you know, just physically, that, that's a big ask. And, um, yeah. I, I hope this isn't the last one. He deserves a better ending than, than withdrawing over social media because of, uh, you know, uh, there was no way he could have played 29 holes hold on any day on that golf course. Yeah. Um, there's some great events coming up next, but the, you know, the next major in May, the PGA at, uh, Oak Hill in, uh, New York. Uh, what, what live guys will be in that? Any, or is there, or there's no guys that'll be for, for, in that event from live? Well, Kepka as a PGA champion, um, is good there. And Cam Smith as the open champion, um, for starters right okay. off the, uh, the, right off the top. I think Joaquin Neiman, um, it's probably uh, pretty solid. He had a nice uh, showing again at Augusta. There will be a handful more. But, you know, looking under the current uh, guidelines, which I don't – for the Masters invitations, which I don't expect to change, you know, there were 18 live members in this year's Masters, and it looks like there would only be eight next year. Yeah. So uh, really at a point where we're going to start seeing those numbers dwindling unless they're able to uh, – post some high finishes in their few major opportunities. So it's uh, yeah, it's definitely a changing changing world as far as it comes comes to that. Yeah. Hey Brian, uh, great work down there this week. Safe travels to you. We appreciate the time. Okay, thanks, Patrick. There he goes, uh, Brian Mull. Thanks uh, to him for being with us. Uh, didn't get into Patrick Cantlay's uh, play, who uh, which was Cookie. Think of the slowest person. 
Don't you know somebody, Cookie, who's just, like, painfully slow? Like running and stuff? Well, that just anything they do. Oh, they yeah, do it yes. Real slow. Yes, like getting ready and stuff like that. Yes, I do. Well, just, yeah, whatever it is. They're just, they'd never do anything in a hurry. Painfully slow. Yes, I do. That was Patrick Cantlay on the golf course yesterday. Oh, okay, gotcha. With people behind him. And he, I mean, people, the leaders were having to wait on the tee box for this no-putting uh, jabroni to, 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 to move along. It was ridiculous. Oh, Dan, you hit Absolutely him with ridiculous. jabroni. Oh, he putted like a jabroni yesterday. He would have putted better if he had hit the putter with his feet, maybe, yesterday. Ba-boom. Um, all right. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Cookie. All right, we will uh, be back to wrap up the show for a Monday right after these words. All right, uh, we are wrapping up uh, a Monday edition of the PJ Show. Thanks to uh, Brian Mull. Thanks to Cliff Godwin. Thanks to uh, Cookie for uh, showing up today and uh, and doing what he is uh, doing. Woo! You were looking for this earlier. Oh, yes. A little earlier, you were looking. For That's exactly. I'm adding that to our B bar here. We need that soundbite. Okay. Thank you very little. Should have it, but should have it. Um, let's see here. We've got uh, Pirate Baseball tomorrow. Uh, we've got uh, – I think it'll be good. Um, I, I think uh, – I'm just reading something here. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's uh, going to be an exciting game tomorrow. Uh, look. Tough weekend weather-wise for everybody who were who did not do what ECU did and moved their games up. Now, uh, they played the doubleheader on Thursday. That was a long day. And then, uh, obviously, a long day with the weather delay in horrible conditions Friday. But uh, there's no way on earth you could have done anything Saturday. And some other places didn't do that. They did not do that at ODU. So they went Friday and then had to play a doubleheader yesterday. And uh, we're able to, uh, you know, get their series in with Southern Miss. Southern Miss took two out of three, but this is still a very good hitting Old Dominion team. Uh, the O'Neal uh, kid, Robbie O'Neal, uh, from Conley and Pitt, went to the, uh, went to uh, Pitt Community and played before heading out to uh, up to Norfolk. He started his career at uh, Greensboro. So I mean, he's he's someone that. Uh, you know, it's going to come in like a lot of these ODU guys are going to come in fired up tomorrow. And uh, we'll uh, we'll get to some of Cliff Godwin's comments on uh, that and then the series with uh, Cincinnati coming up this uh, weekend. Pirates always play Cincinnati uh, twice each season. Uh, that's what they do in the conference. And then they turn around and uh, play them again, uh, it seems like, in the conference tournament every year. So that's uh, that is what uh, – what uh, will be happening this weekend? We'll have a what we call a full telecast. There'll be ESPN Plus coverage, but it'll be supplemented by the radio audio. We'll have a full uh, telecast, as we call it, with uh, Jason Alder and myself on uh, Saturday, uh, four o'clock for ESPN Plus. But uh, you could catch the game tomorrow at five forty-five. We'll lead you into coverage here on ninety-four-three. The uh, game tomorrow. All right, Cookie. Have a great rest of your uh, Monday there. You too. I hope you had a good Easter. 
Yeah. Did you get a best Easter candy? What is it, Cookie? You're an Easter candy guy. I, I used to love the, uh, what are the things called with, like, the little poof ball uh, marshmallows? The Peeps? Yeah, Peeps. Yeah, that's it. That's the best one. My wife likes the Peeps Pepsi. She likes that. The Peeps Pepsi. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's Peeps flavored Pepsi. Can you believe it? No, that's Cadbury interesting. Cadbury egg for me, baby. A cold Cadbury egg. Those are underrated. Flavor. Those are very underrated. Oh, change your world. All right, well, see you in the morning on Talk of the Town and back here tomorrow at 5. talk to yourself about where to eat today and then you hear Lawrence hot dogs then you're thinking yeah two hot dogs chips and a drink for only 625 would be awesome Lawrence hot dogs and maybe some homemade lemonade perhaps a pizza or a sub and definitely an apple or peach turnover Lawrence hot dogs